Well, hello, it's season five, and we are super excited that you are here as we dig into one of my favorite subjects. This season, we will be chatting with some amazingly smart and influential people in and around the arts and entertainment industry about something I like to call the inner critic. Who is this mean voice that constantly tries to stop us? And how do we confront it and kick it out of our way? From therapists to deliverance ministers to fashion icons and entrepreneurial geniuses, we are going to talk about that inner voice that wants to stop our creative passions and hinder our ability to shift culture. Head on over to my website, lindsaymorgan.co, and use the promo code LOVE for 50% off the Crushing Your Inner Critic Masterclass. And now, let's get to that conversation with this week's incredible guests about their journey with The Inner Critic. Hi, guys. Welcome to season five of the Lindsay Morgan Snyder podcast. I'm so excited you are here. We are going live this season, which is so, so, so fun. And I am pumped to introduce you to someone I've known for years, actually. And he carries a ton of wisdom, Ray Light. He's an identity coach, and I'm going to have him tell us more about what he does. But I've done sessions with him. I've been to his workshops, and he carries something really, really powerful for the body of Christ. So, Ray, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay. Oh, well, well, you mentioned I'm an identity coach. Thanks for having me on. This, this is cool. Thanks for, for having me on your, on your podcast. I always enjoy being interviewed and having conversations is, is always good. So, and, and inner healing, you know, inner healing, freedom, peace, joy. It's just what, where I go. It's where my heart takes me. So uh, my wife and I live in Maryland. We lived in California for seven years. That's, that's where, you know, that's where we met you. I think we met originally in LA, didn't we though? We didn't meet up north. Yeah, so, it was yeah, we met, I think, uh-huh. is that we're okay. I just remember down in LA connecting with you. Yep. And then we've, we've, you know, we have multiple similar circles of, of friends that we're connected with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my wife and I, we, we, we run a ministry called Faith by Grace. And it's just focused on helping people be equipped for a lifestyle of freedom, to be able to get to know who they actually are and live out the truth of who they are in freedom, peace and joy. And, and it's real. It's, 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 it's a real thing that we can do. It's like sometimes we think it's not possible or it's hopeless or I'm powerless or it just can't happen. But I've seen it in my own life. And that's what happened is I had my own encounter with Jesus when I was in a depression, which transformed my life and got me on a journey. Like Lindsay and I have talked about this a few times. You know, just because you have a healing encounter, it doesn't mean now you look like Jesus in every aspect of your life. You have some maturity to do, and you have some other areas in your life where you need healing also. So I've been on a journey for years now, about 15, 16 years on the inner healing journey. I came to faith um, in 96, but I, in roughly in, uh, I can't remember where it was, but I was, I was eight years into my journey. So was that? You know, was that 2006, I guess, is what we would say is, uh, or no, I said eight years, that's 2004, is when I went into a deep depression and actually had to experience inner healing for, for the first time. And I didn't even believe in this junk. You know what I mean? It's like, I didn't, I was like, just deal with it and get over it. You know what I mean? This is all bogus. Just, you know, I mean, I believed in prayer, but I didn't believe in inner healing prayer because I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what I was talking about. And so I, I went into a full depression and a friend of mine shared one of his friends said, hey, man, you should meet with a friend of mine uh, who helps people connect their head and their heart. And wow, I had this full-blown encounter. And it, I had this moment where I was like, hey, if I can be healed, anybody can be healed. So, And I, I grew up in a real mess. I came to faith when I was 30. But, you know, I tried to kill myself when I was 15. I was depressed. I have a mood disorder. I swing all over the place. I have, you know, generational mess in my life. That, that, that I kind of grew up in. So, so it was an interesting life and it's just been a process of, of me growing. I was with Campus Crusade for Christ for years when I came, did relational mentoring and discipleship with them. I was a pastor for four or five years here in Annapolis before we went to Bethel and I became a um, pastoral counselor for, for Bethel in Reading. And I still am, but I moved back to Maryland. So we're back in Annapolis now and I, I still work with 
with uh, Donna because Donna De Silva gave me an opportunity, and she runs the Sozo Ministry at Transformation Center at, at Bethel. So I, I, I still am available for her, and I'm still on staff there. But I, I, I actually run my own ministry, Faith by Grace. That's the bulk of what I do. And I speak. I do workshops for churches and, and businesses. And so you were at the L.A.? Were you at the L.A. workshop then? Is that where you were? Is was, that where, or where, what, which? Years ago, I was at the LA workshop and then you came to the church I was at, Evergreen. Um, you came there like a, two years ago. Yeah, so I feel like I've oh, yeah. run into you a lot. Yeah. I haven't it's, talked to those guys in a while, man. I just haven't. I, I, Jack and, oh man, it's just, I love those guys running, running that church too. I haven't, I haven't uh, talked to them. I might have to reach out to them now that, that you brought it up. Maybe, but, maybe but yeah, watching. it's. <laughs> yeah well i love you guys just so you know i love you guys so but um but yeah we we just have been doing you know discipleship and mentoring and and it just what I, what happened is discipleship more and more turned into inner healing and really inner healing is just accelerated discipleship is what it is so you actually get to know what is discipleship but following jesus and getting to know who he is and who you are and inner healing is just a concentrated accelerated time of getting to know who god is and who you are and then your heart has a choice and you can be free so hopefully that answers your question on what i'm about now i love so, that so i've never really heard it explained like that ray that's really really cool i love that well you know this this season we're talking about what i like to call the inner critic and so my mm. first question that I wanted to ask you, which is sort of a fun one, because, you know, we can, us inner healing mm. people can get like deep quick. You know what I mean? We can like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of my <laughs> intense is a word often used for me. So I get it. Yes. <laughs> me too. I mean, just dig right in and rip it out. Yes. Yes. I know. I hate like casual conversation. I'm like, can we just talk about the real stuff? You know what yeah, I mean? I've had yeah, to learn the yeah. like, Can we get, can we? Yes. <laughs> it's so true. So, okay. It could be too much also, so I get it. All right. I just said, all right, we can, we can, we can be fun now instead of too deep. We, I'm ready for you. We can be both. Um, okay. So yeah. I want to know what the funniest thing the inner critic has ever said to you. You know, I got to be honest with you. The funniest thing I can't repeat on, on Facebook, because my inner critic is inappropriate and foul. Just I know. So, you know what I mean? It's just, I know they all are. I'm like, I, yeah. So I'm like, I was trying, I was talking to my wife and I reached out to, to my, my best friend, Kyle, like, Hey, what have I said that I can repeat? You know? And I'm like, I just, cause we were asking about that. I'm like, anyway, but what I did come up with, what I did, I think it's funny. Um, you know, one of the critic things, and it was just kind of like an overall criticism of the, of the church of the whole body of what we do as believers. And it was one time I was doing an inner healing workshop mm -hmm. and you might not think this funny. I thought it was, and I might have to explain it, but, but I was doing an inner healing workshop explaining like the whole facet. It wasn't just a identity workshop. It was like the whole concept of inner healing, scriptural foundation, building it out. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we were talking about was witchcraft. And whenever I talk about witchcraft, mm -hmm. people trigger, right? I mean, it's just natural. You start talking about, cause in my opinion, witchcraft is just you know it, it's fear uh control manipulation accusation deception intimidation right okay basically leadership you know what i mean just leadership is mm -hmm. what that what it's the most common form of leadership you see in and out of the church okay unfortunately so so what i was talking about is people i was talking about fear i was talking about control manipulation all this stuff and and people were starting to trigger in the room. And I'm like, that was back when I was a little bit less sensitive. I used to actually, one of the reasons of me getting into healing, you know, that deep thing, I, I used to like blowing bombs up in the room. And I used to really like that. I, I don't do that anymore. I've really grown and matured and I can help people on that. But this was back when I would still just throw a grenade out in the room and let everybody trigger. So I could feel everybody getting tense in the room as we're talking about, because I'm like, hey guys, I was like, hey, guys, I'm not saying anybody's a witch, right? I'm not I'm not saying you're a witch. Someone else is a witch. I'm not saying that we're professional witchcrafts. You know, we're not professional witches. We all just practice witchcraft, you know, and that was the that was the piece that I thought was glorious. You know what I mean? And then everybody triggers in the room, you know, it's like because I was like, hey, we're not professional witches. We all just practice witchcraft. You know, we're not professionals at it. And so. 
I thought it was glorious, but that's kind of my my sarcasm, critical spirit that's in there, because sarcasm is a big one I grew up with, which we know is the language of woundedness. I mean, I'm one of the ones that teach that sarcasm is the language of woundedness, but it's the inability to properly communicate from childhood where you weren't allowed to actually be honest and communicate and share. So you learned how to be, you know, I, I had to learn how to shut you down quicker and harder than you just tried to shut me down. And I was prophetic. So I was really sarcastic and really good at that. So I can still do stuff like that, but God redeemed that. And now I can see the, who the person is and what the problem is and bring them to resolution in that place so that they can be free instead of triggering off in that. But I thought that was glorious. So the whole thing, here I am in this, and then everybody's triggered. Not everybody, but a lot of people. And my wife's a feeler. I'm a knower prophetically. She's a feeler prophetically. So she's dying. You know what I mean? She's dying in the room because of what's going on. And I'm like, I'm up front laughing. I'm like, I just can't stop laughing because it's so funny that it's, but it's because we get so, we get really uppity. You know, we really do get uppity as Christians sometimes. It's like when somebody calls us out and something's like, I would never. I'm like, well, you being triggered right now is kind of the evidence that maybe, maybe you would. Because <laughs> you know? otherwise, otherwise you wouldn't be triggered if I said something to you, you know what I mean? The trigger is the evidence that there's an issue. You know, it might not be the exact issue that that's going on, but that, that was actually, that's what came to my mind, which some people may think is funny, may not think is funny, but it was contextual, so you really can't get it. But for me, I didn't, I wasn't funny to myself. I was cruel, you know, so I don't have funny things I can share about, you know, that aren't just totally inappropriate. I said all kinds of totally inappropriate things that I can't repeat to myself. Well, like, so here's my question. So in that moment, right? Like you think that it was super funny. What is that voice? Is there a voice inside of you that's basically like, you're an idiot? Or, or is it- the Well, there used to be. Saying, my, good job, good job. You know what I mean? Like what? I just, I think it was just like, and in that moment, I wasn't like I'm an idiot because I've done, shame is probably the thing I've done the most work on, to be okay. honest with you. Yeah. I, I still have mood swings and I can get into a place of depression. And I think that's part of my mood disorder, not direct lies I'm believing. And I don't know, I can't claim that for sure, but I don't have embarrassment and humility and all those things. I'm not aware of what other people think about me. I don't, I no longer have those thoughts of what other people think of me. It doesn't affect me anymore, but it used to totally shut me down. Yeah. That's where I came from. Yeah. I used to know everybody's thought in the room, you know, which we think some people say that's discernment, but I'm like, no, that's divination. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I know everybody's thought in the room and it's an accusation and it's stirring up fear, shame, and guilt, that's what I'm talking. I mean, that's, that's not discernment. That's a manifestation of a wound and a lie, I believe where I'm hyper-focused on everything wrong, and then I see myself through everybody else's eyes, whether they're thinking it or not. And as you know, you've been doing this long enough that most people are not thinking about you at all. They're worried about what you're thinking about them. You know, so, you know. I'll never, I'll just... never forget. I'll never forget. I had a, be a best friend from, like, elementary school. Um, Erica is her name. And um, she said to me one time, this is years ago, she goes, Lindsay, I don't even think I was a Christian. She goes, Lindsay, no one's thinking about you they're thinking about themselves you know and i was just like yes yes such a good point but so i mean that's that's yes. what i want to talk about like the inner critic this season is because it's that yeah. that you used to have right that mean voice yeah that used to bring shame mm -hmm. fear and guilt oh, and yeah. how did you like how did you confront it like when was the moment when you're like wait a minute there might not have been a moment but like was there a moment when you were like hold on a minute i don't think that's actually supposed to be in there or i think that that voice is not you know is not true it's not right like when it's telling you you're like my inner critic for example would be like you're so ugly you're so stupid you're such yeah. a loser you know and like you can't do this who do you think you are like those are the thoughts that i i would hear yeah and, um, mine was similar okay yeah so, so I did have an inner critic, you know, I've been working on it for years though. I've been, I mean, I've been in inner healings for years now. So it's been a process and a journey for me. So I don't have a memory because I've done so many sessions either with myself, on myself, with Jesus, or I had sessions with Donna, or I had sessions with other people, 
Jenna, I got friends all over the inner healing world that have helped me. Even the people on my team that do, you know, the, the people that do like Heather, who does identity coaching on my team. I still get identity coaching sessions from her. I've had dream coaching with, with Colleen, you know, so it's like I, I do these different things to keep going myself. I never got to that place where I thought like, oh, wow, now I got it because I know I I don't look like Jesus all the time. So I, I ain't got it, <laughs> you know, so but what I used to have, I was programmed from childhood is what I would say. I was programmed to hate myself and hate God and blame myself and blame God whenever something was wrong. Right, especially if I did something wrong. The two things I would say that as I thought of, like what my inner critic really would tell me, I should have already known. Mm, interesting. I should have already known, and you're an effing idiot. Yeah. That was really, if you want the foundation. You you're know what I mean? Super mean, yeah. That was, yeah, that was my, boom, that was my program. And I would just, and, and we don't realize none of that's helpful. You know what I mean? It, I mean, it's because it's miserable. It doesn't incur it doesn't get us to inspire to do more. Criticizing ourselves does nothing to help us perform and produce in a healthy way. It helps us to perform in an unhealthy way where we're performing to the expectations of the world or the culture instead of instead of just being ourselves and being able to actually pursue our dreams. You know, so so I don't have that one anymore. It's kind of weird because I. I, I, it was only recently that it hit me that I don't have that one anymore because I share all the time like, hey, I'm not teaching from a place where I've got it, you know, right. where I'm like, I still trigger off and fear, shame and guilt. And someone was asking me about it. And I'm like, actually, I was thinking about the shame piece. I'm like, wait a minute. I have fear and guilt still that I'll trigger off on. Right. Mm -hmm. But shame, that inner critic of like and I don't have the guilt issue of like I'm. I'm just doing something wrong all the time, but there's still some old patterns I have in there of feelings and sensations. Almost like I I feel like, even though I know it's a thought in there somewhere, I feel like I've done something wrong and I'm gonna get in trouble for it. Yes. But I don't have the the, the expression of there's something wrong with me. Does that's, that make sense? Yeah, that's that's the shame piece. And right. so I've been working on that one for a while and I can't tell you like, but for me, I really, it was just like finding out what is the real, because there's a belief. Yes. And then somehow that's a program, right? That inner critic is actually a subconscious program that, that we write ourselves. Yes. Right. The, sometimes we can have the lies passed down and we can have the habits because we learned how to do the same. You know, we might learn the same patterns from our, from our family of criticism, but, but that's us internally that creates the system of self-protection because an inner critic, you know, ego, self-defense, whatever, I just call it self-protection. You know what I mean? But that, that critical spirit that's going on inside, it's really, it's a lie I'm believing about myself that's manifesting into some kind of, you know, program tape. I used to even be able to hear my mom's voice because that one was a mess. She was a sad, wounded woman. But, but I actually, I can't hear her voice anymore either. It's gone. I don't even know what her voice sounds like anymore. She's been passed for, you know, she passed in, oh, three maybe you know and i i just don't i don't remember what her voice even sounds like but i used to actually be able to hear her voice mm -hmm. and what's kind of funny some of the stuff we would get is some of the things that i was that was said to me my wife wouldn't even believe that it was said to me mm -hmm. and i'm like i tell you what i'll call my brother and i'll say the first half of it and he'll finish it for you you know what i mean it's because she wouldn't like there's no way that's that was said to you and I'm like, yeah, that's that was a common statement on me. So I would just just like, George, I need you to finish this, you know, and, and I'd say the beginning of it and George would finish it, you know, because because my wife just couldn't believe it. So it was just I was just in that pattern of negativity. I was addicted to negativity and rejection is what happened. So, you know, emotions are just chemical reactions. So those things that we have that keep going on in our lives are actually that we can't control we're addicted to them and we have subconscious programs running to make sure we get our fix is what happens. So that's, I had that going on. I got healed with negativity and rejection probably only 10 years ago. And I still have habits and patterns of it, but the core of it, I just still remember with a conversation with Jesus, maybe 10 years ago, roughly. And he said, Hey, you're, you're addicted to negativity and rejection is the problem. And I'm like, well, I, it was the first concept, you know, I was like, what do you mean by that? You know, it's just, but it was like, oh, I could see that. So it's just like the telling the stories, the going back to it, the finding it. You know what I mean? You can tell the, the emotions that you feel when you go back to regurgitating those old stories, how it makes you feel. 
that's how you can tell if you're addicted to it or not. So I'm not addicted to that anymore. Amazing. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that's so amazing. As you were talking, I was thinking about the first time that the Lord showed me that like, I think it was a moment where I, I remember him telling me like, it was almost like he let me sit in my self pity for a long time. You know, like I just was like, oh, mm -hmm. this and this and that's all these things, you know. And, and he let me sit there for years, actually. And then one day he said to me, Lindsay, self-pity is idolatry. Self-pity is idolatry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got to stop that. <laughs> you know, and I was kind of addicted yes. to self-pity. I was addicted to self-pity. And so, you know, yeah. I, for me, the inner critic, I, I don't know why I started calling it that. I actually don't know that I knew what it was. I just had written my book. And yeah. it was like the 10 lies that keep us from love, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of unworthiness, fear of worry, fear of pain, just like fear that everyone deals with in life, no matter really yeah. what happens yeah. you know, in your life. And the enemy is the language of fear, you know? So I always say like, you know, mm -hmm. the inner critic has two components. The inner critic is um, the enemy, right? Cause the Bible says he's the father of lies. Like people sometimes think the enemy can come mm -hmm. down and like do these things to your life. I'm like, no, 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 no. He tells you things and you do it to yourself. Like you're the one that has control. Yes, of exactly. Like, yeah. You, you listen to him. You listen to what he says to you, however he got into your life, you know, and, and then mm -hmm. you allow, then you destroy yourself by listening to his lies. He doesn't, he doesn't have the power yeah. to destroy you. He only has the power yeah. to tell you lies according to the Bible. And so, you know, I just, you know, for me, self-pity was a big one. And I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know why, like, um, why what, this book I was writing, I wasn't even sure what it was, but it was the 10 lies that keep you from love. And then it was my mentor that called it the inner critic. And I was like, oh, you know, and then I started to be able to yeah. discern that voice that was different than the voice of love. Right. So there's like, God exactly, is love. Yeah. So there's a voice of love in there or out there in here. And then there's the the mean voice I call it, which is the inner critic, which is mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, I mean the one that's going to lie to us about everything. And and the more I talk to people, the more I find out there is a there is like a foundational lie that's actually really gross. You yeah. know, like one of the girls yeah. I I uh, interviewed last season, um, Catherine Warnock, she said uh, that her root lie was "you're a piece of shit." I mean that was her root lie. You know. Yeah. That, always went but so they're always mm. nasty it's nasty the enemy is mm -hmm. so nasty so it's always the foundational lie is mean it's like it's yeah. mean it's so so mean and i'm not even really talking about self-criticism although that happens too i'm talking about the enemy who is mean and yeah so anyway i just have like this passion to turn the like inner critic into the inner encourager because that's what's happened in my life yeah oh like all of a sudden instead of the inner critic, I now hear this very kind, loving, encouraging voice. And as I've heard God's voice, which is that voice, I, it's helped me to transform my own self-talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. From this place of like being critical of myself constantly to like being loving and encouraging towards myself. And it's really only God. I mean, yes, tons of inner healing, tons of sitting with God, but you know, it's just like so it is. It's so fascinating to me. It, so it really doesn't change from truth and lies. It's always truth and lies, in my opinion. So yeah. every manifestation of the inner critic is a lie, we believe. And it's and like you said, that was so good because I get people, you know, I do the extreme cases, the inner healing I do. I get referred to me the people that have tried everything and can't get healing. That's my specialty. I mean, I can work with anybody, but I really work with the highly creative, highly intelligent that's why it's like I love going to L.A. and working with the L.A. people and and working with celebrities and, and leaders of, of ministries and leaders of businesses because the the intelligence, the sophistication of their systems of self-protection and the like the levels of encryption they have to protect themselves. I love working with people like that and I can help them. But it is it's just even the people that like this is what I found, like my opinion. This is Ray Light's opinion. You know, is even people that think they're demonized, there's a 95% chance, probably 98% chance. There is a demon lying to you, like you said. Yes, right. But 100%. it's almost like he, he comes and he comes and checks on you, make sure you still believe the lie. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, oh, no, he's still he's still good. He helps you have the relationships that'll keep that lie affirmed. 
You know what I mean? But but he's not their line. He's not the one doing this stuff to you. But what happens? I've even worked with people that have manifestations that seem demonic that are actually just self-protections that are running. You know, it's it's where they've had even physical manifestations where they kind of look demonic or do things. But what I have found is that like our bad behavior and our bad attitude is not an attack of the enemy. It's a partnership with him. Right, wow. because of a lie we believe. Wow. Does that make sense? So we no. we partner with the enemy to destroy our own lives, our own identity, our own authority, and our own community. And then we blame it because we the lies we believe about our righteousness. We will blame other people. So yeah. anytime I'm blaming somebody else, doesn't matter doesn't matter who it is I'm blaming. It's because I don't believe in my righteousness. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't have to blame you if I believe in myself. Right. right. I can take I can take ownership of the mess I've created if it's my mess. And sometimes there's straight abuse that people have. I help them with that, too. But usually if you're in an ongoing relationship of abuse as an adult, it's because of the inner critic or the, sh the shame, the fear, the guilt, the lies you believe that you don't actually you don't respect yourself and actually believe in yourself enough to think that you deserve better. But you do. You deserve so much better. You are worth it. You do not deserve to be in this abusive relationship. So I want to make sure you're not responsible for the abuse that's happening from other people. But what's happening is in those situations, we're an equal player in the dysfunctional game is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, there's the abusive relationships we get stuck in, but we stay in it and we keep playing the game and not to downgrade it to a game. But they make a move. We make a move. They make a move. We make a move. And it's, you know, some of those moves are totally inappropriate and abusive. My moves might be submissive and being abused, but I'm still in the game, right? Until I can believe in myself and that inner critic, like that's why what you're doing is so important. I got to tell you, what you're doing about the inner critic and you're helping women, especially in, in places like Hollywood and people that, you know, in the vulnerable areas where we know, you know, it's not necessarily always, always the, the best environment. You know, it's so important for women to respect themselves. And that's the thing that happened over the last couple of years is that I've seen this pattern is God restoring women to have a voice, to be able to speak up for themselves, to actually like that moment of like, no, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. You know, and and so that's a process that I see. That's why taking care of the inner critic is so good. And like you said, sorry, I'm on a rant here, but, you know, it's like like you said, that inner critic is a manifestation of a lie. But it was originally created by God to do something else. But the enemy got a lie into that area of your heart. And once you can repent of the lie and process it and believe the truth of who you are, what will happen is then you will manifest freedom, peace, and joy. And you'll be able to encourage yourself just like Lindsay was talking about. So that's the beautiful thing. You don't have to work at it at the point of getting it. You know, It's just that encounter with Jesus, finding out what the lie is getting freedom, but then the working out part is actually maturing, like we talked about at one point. So, and we can talk about that later, but. We talk about this forever. You and I are like super passionate. No, I mean, and I, I think it's so cool. Like, cause I've had sessions with you before and you just go and you're like, da, 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 da. you know, you like break all these things off and stuff. And like, that's, that's not actually what I do, but I think what you and I do kind of like coincide because yeah. you have to go in and break it off and repent of it and have that like, have that experience with Jesus in order to, in my mind, actually deal with the inner critic, right? Because for me, dealing with the inner critic is is this constant, like, it's just, it's almost like That's working out the your habits, mind. the patterns, the yes, yes. Like working out You've your established mind. relationships. Exactly. You need the physical, because I'm a heart surgeon. I'm an emotional heart surgeon. <laughs> so what I do is I go in and get that core root issue that you're talking about. We get that and we do it gently. It sounds, you know, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's not, well, you've done it. You know what I mean? It's actually gentle and, and Holy, Holy Spirit and Jesus will not violate the boundaries of your heart. So really what you're doing is you're getting to know yourself. But what I do is I help you get to that place into those root, root lies where you believe a lie about yourself or God or others. And in that place, I help you find out what the truth is. Let your heart find out what's available. Like you said, what is, oh, it was created to be able to receive love. Oh, and then you find out what is the system that's running that's keeping you stuck there and your heart has a choice. So that I kind of consider myself like an emotional heart surgeon because I don't do details. You know what I mean? I, I can walk somebody through the most, 
I have found, and this is one of the things that I've found, is what people do is they continue to regurgitate the details of their unresolved trauma over and over again, and they continue to re-traumatize themselves and stay stuck in that you know painful emotion instead of finding out, hey, what is the lie and what is the self-protection, which could be the inner critic. And some of those inner critics are the patterns, the habits, the behaviors, the relationships you've established that you have to work through. Yeah. You know, But I'm like, hey, let's get to it, find it so that you can have redemption, and then you can mature into yourself in those places where you haven't had a choice. Yeah, so good. It's so powerful. I just love this conversation because... It does. It sounds kind of overwhelming. Like maybe to you guys listening, you're like, that sounds like a lot. But I mean, Ray's right. Like I went in for one session with Ray and it was just, it was super gentle, but it was also like, there was like a little bit of a, just like a cadence or something. It was just kind of like, you know, you've done it so much. You kind of just know the way in. Well, I don't let you go off. I, I just don't let you go off and try to figure it out on your own. I keep you, I keep you on course of like, Hey, let's just get the information. Yeah. And let's see what your heart wants to do about it. Instead of you trying to understand the information, you trying to discount the information, you trying to, you know what I mean? It's like, we're so trained, especially in church. We're so trained to just discount and deny the truth of who we are in Christ. It's sad. So that's why a lot of, I can't tell you how many times people will get truth and they're like, you know, I got this truth, but it's just cliche. And I'm like, what I learned at some point, you know, the reason why we think truth is cliche is because we don't believe it. So if there's any truth that you hear that you think is cliche, it's because you don't believe that truth. You're believing something else. So that's just like, because the basic foundations of identity is actually where the enemy's been attacking us. And we think we have it. It's like, oh no, I know I'm a believer. I'm, I'm righteous in Christ. I'm like, I know all this, but I live this way and I have all these issues. And everything after the but is what you believe in how you live your life. You know what I mean? The other stuff is just knowledge. Yeah. So, so that's how you can kind of check that. And that's why it's so important for, for like what you're doing when you're walking with these women, it's like, you know, and maybe yeah, that's, I work with a lot of people. I work with a lot of counselors and when they get stuck and they get hit, they hit this place, they send them to me. I help them get unstuck and they go back to the counselor and then they help them process that. Right. So, exactly. so really that's kind of whether it's grief, grief, loss, trauma, doesn't matter if it's unresolved trauma because the details of the trauma aren't the issue, right? It's the lie you believe that has now like kind of blended with the trauma, the details of the trauma, that is the issue. Yes, that is so true. That's what I had to learn. It took me a long time, you know? It's like, it's not necessarily the trauma. Jesus was there, but it was like the lies that came in and then, then you just started living yes. that way and it, it was so bad. This is exactly. so amazing. This is so amazing. Tell us a little bit about your new book you have coming out. So I think this is pretty brilliant. Well, I have two projects right now. For one, this I'll tell you about. This is my old book. So this is not what you just asked. But this is my old book, Identity I Restoration. It. I am it. All right. All right. So, so, and I think it's an extremely good book for you to be able to learn how to take inventory of your own heart and live a lifestyle of freedom, peace, and joy. But I'm in the process October 23rd, we finished filming the e-course for that. And then uh, the plan is to have that available December 1st okay. is the, the plan to actually have that online to be able to help everybody be able to process on their own to get information, to be able to acknowledge where they, got, they have fear, shame, and guilt, and then how to process it. And then if you can't do it on your own, then there's other tools like Lindsay, like our team, you know, you faithbygrace.org. You can have an identity coaching, a grief coaching, couples coaching. I help couples understand how the functional dysfunction works. But what I'm working on now, it's a blog right now. Yeah, the functional dysfunction is one of the ways that the reason why, like almost like our spouses and our most intimate relationships are the most dysfunctional because they have access to our heart that other people don't have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there are good reasons that we're attracted to people, right? There's the good, healthy, loving reasons why we're attracted to people. But there's also the dysfunctional patterns of woundedness that other people take care of for us that we're attracted to also. So just to give you an example on the functional dysfunction piece, to give you an idea, if you were dating two people that were like equally the same looks and all the good stuff, you know what I mean? But if you were dating those two people, you got to know them, and one of them, their dysfunctions fit with your dysfunctions, and the other person, their dysfunctions don't fit. 
you wouldn't put up with the other person. Does that make sense? And then you lean towards the one. And that's why those dysfunction, I call it functional dysfunction, where we just kind of loop together. And I take care of your unhealthy needs with my unhealthy needs. And we don't even know it's happening. You know, we trigger each other is kind of the, so until it becomes dysfunctionally dysfunctional and it doesn't work anymore, you know, and that's a sad reality that happens unless we do something about it, unless you pursue healing and get, get free in those areas where you're dealing fear, shame, and guilt. But, but sorry, that was trying to get to the maturing end of yourself. <laughs> so, but I saw you respond to functional dysfunction, so I didn't want to leave it lay. But the maturing into yourself, I'm blogging through that right now because I can't tell you. I've, I've probably done over 7,000 individual sessions with people. Uh, I stopped counting a while ago, but I'm over that number is where I, where I know. Um, and the most common question is like, how do I walk this out? Like now that I had it, you know, it's like we talked about. It's like you still need physical therapy. So what I did is I it started out as just like the three steps to life as like, and that's actually in my identity restoration book, one of the chapters in there. But then it became this whole process of like, oh, the recalibration process, the emotional swings, understanding the awareness, understanding how to not pick up the old tools. Under, you know, so I, I started blogging through this to help people walk through it after they have a healing encounter, whatever it is. At some point you were experiencing fear, shame and guilt. And in that area, now you're not. That's what I mean by healing encounter. Now you're experiencing freedom, peace and joy in that area where you had fear, shame and guilt, whether it was a dream uh, you know, an identity coaching session, a, a, an inner critic healing session with, with Lindsay, or just reading the Bible. You, you had a revelation of truth that impacted you and changed your life. How do you walk that out? Because what happens is the same age you started using that self-protection of fear, shame, and guilt emotionally that you were is the emotional age you are in that area of your heart when you get set free. And now you might be free and healed, but you're just a three-year-old emotionally healed three-year-old in that area so when that area gets inspired that's the emotional maturity you have available and so i help you walk through that to actually how do you mature into the truth of who you are in your day-to-day -day practical living so that Is that should so be a book I was well the beginning of january february sorry i keep stepping on you sorry about that Lindsay. but i was like but the beginning of the year i tend to i tend to be a a little too aggressive in my timelines sometime next year let's do that sometime next year hopefully hopefully in the first half i should have that as a resource right now it's a blog and next year sometime it will be an e-course that's available for people also i mean i can just testify to that because i always say when it comes to dating that would be one of my biggest issues really when it comes to dating, like, I feel like I'm 16, you know, I always mm -hmm. say that, you know, and it probably is because I don't know, some boy hurt me. I mean, we don't have to go into that, but you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, I always say that I'm 44 years old. I'm, you know what I mean? I have all these other things going for me, but when yeah. it comes to dating, I feel 16. Now I'd say yeah. more recently as God's like kind of really worked, I've been working on this stuff for a decade too. But like, as he's really started to kind of like free me from, yeah, just like weird self-hatred stuff, like a lot of that, um, I am now, I can tell him almost like accelerated maturing. You know what I mean? Like I can tell him. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh. So you don't have to, yeah, you don't have the same amount of time you have to wait. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point, Liz. That's perfect because you don't have to wait the same amount of time. Like if you're, you know, you don't have to wait 20 years to get to that point. You know, it's like it might happen in a year. It might happen in six months. But there is a maturing process yeah. that will happen by you letting yourself be you. That's yeah. the only way it happens, too, is you have to let yourself be you. That's so Otherwise, true. You, you, you just engage in another lie and self-protect in a different way. And then you start self-protecting as that age instead of being you. Well, and I mean, that's so true because I feel like that's what the Lord is, keeps telling me. So I don't really do one-on-one -on -one sessions with people. I teach them how to- oh, okay. Sorry, I thought- No, that's okay. No, gotcha, that's gotcha. And first of all, it never rains in LA and it, it hasn't rained in like two years. It's raining. I don't know what that means spiritually, but anyway, there you go. We're just raining down the oh, line. Wow. I'm just kidding. Yeah, get um, it, Jesus. Whatever it means, we're just accepting Jesus in it. Yeah, he's yeah. so sweet. Whatever it means, we're just accepting Jesus in it. Exactly, he's so smart. 
So, um, but no, I was going to say, so what I've done, the work I've done besides going to people like you and getting that stuff like out or, you know what I mean? But then the maturing process for me has been this like dialogue format, you know, like journaling that I teach people. So in my oh, class, yes, yes. I teach people, it's called crushing the inner critic masterclass. And I just nice. want everyone to know that 50% off, if you're listening to this now, if you use that promo code love, L-O-V-E, you get 50% off on the class because I love you. <laughs> all right, all right. It's love that healed. It's God's love that yeah. healed that thing in me that didn't like myself. And, and almost mm-hmm. like wanted, like was jealous and always comparing myself and not feeling good enough because I didn't know myself and I didn't like myself. And the more I've like realized who I am, enjoyed who I am, my strengths, my weaknesses, you know what I mean? Like accepted myself. I don't gaslight myself anymore, you know, which is basically Mm. like not, you know, be like, oh, you shouldn't be sad about that. If I'm sad, I am freaking sad. Be present in in your emotion and process through it. So good. That is so good, Lindsay. He's so sweet. He's so fun and funny and like helps me. And so anyway, that's what I do. Like I basically teach people how to like after they've done something like you and like got it out, you know what I mean? Or of course, I teach them how to like, it's almost like aftercare. You know what I mean? From surgery. I teach Mm -hmm. them how to just continue on maybe for the rest of their lives on how to like continue to ask love about what fear is telling you or what shame is telling you. Yeah. You know, those things are telling you. So good. Teaching people how to have a conversation with God and receive from him. That is so good. Yeah, it's so yeah, so I'll have to be able to refer people to you. I'll have to refer people to that. I'll have to get that information. That is so cool. When is that out? You said when is that it's coming out? out? It's out right now. So Lindsay oh, it's Morgan out right now. All right. Yeah. Lindsay backslash critic. That's where you can get All it. Right. So yeah, so I'm excited and um I've gotten a lot of good feedback. It's really helped, like you said, women, a lot of creative women. I'm similar to you. I love intelligent people. I love creative people. I live in the land of creativity. And so I just see that a lot of these creative people, like their biggest issue is like negative self-talk, which again, we know can Mm -hmm. come from these ouchies. I call them ouchies to like try to not be so intense, but you know, that come from these ouchies or wounds or whatever from life. And you know, but it stops them from going forward. It's just a constant like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they just can't like really launch or, you know, do what God's called them to do. And so, that's kind of my heart is to, to help people get free like you yeah. um, probably I lean a little more on the creative people. Um, I have a friend who might be on the podcast at some point, but she's an acting coach. And she said, I said, what's the number one problem of actors? What's their number one problem? She said negative self-talk. Oh yeah. 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 And I thought that was so interesting. You know, I think creative, the people... creatives, all my creative friends are dealing with it. Yeah. All of my creative friends are dealing with that. And that's one of the things like I'm an emotional swinger, like I told you, and I've found most creatives are, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, we're, we're just swinging back and forth on the emotional. And I, I, I haven't personally met a creative that's like one track, just, you know, that's, that's that's not the creative world and that's why like i so understand that and that's why i love being able to work with with the people that are like that because the creatives are highly intelligent too yes. creativity is the foundation of intelligence right i mean that's just that's what it is the ability to think outside the normal the ability to go beyond what you know and do more you know so it's that learning it's that ability so the thing is but it takes us into places the creatives it takes us into places that are dark. It's like, oh, I took a wrong turn, you know, and now, now I'm criticizing myself and I'm creatively finding everything wrong with me, you know, or then you can be swinging really far where you, you, you think you're this greatest thing in the world. So that's what I do is I help people with those, with those swings so that, you know, cause I used to swing out here. I probably swing here now, you know, but mine was more on the depression side. I like, you know, that, that was my flavor. So I, I didn't go, I like the upswings better. You know what I mean? For the, for the people that emotionally swing, you know what I'm talking about? The emotional upswings are so much better than the downswings, but I still have them myself and I still have to manage them. That's, there's a reason I do what I do. You know, just like you, Lindsay, there's a reason you do what you do. You know, it's like, cause we needed it. We processed it and we learned how to help other people with it. Yeah. 
I know it's so true. I always told our friend Laura, who's going to be on the podcast, but she said, I said, sometimes like I'm over here and I actually have to intentionally swing over like really a little too far over here. And then I end up in the middle. You know what I mean? Like not as much about emotions, yeah. but for me, it was like codependency type tendencies. You know what I mean? It's like, I'd be like, well, oh. it's, it's everything when you get set free. Yeah. It does. Okay. I, that's one of the, that's one of the, um, that's one of the chapters in my maturing into yourself book is the pendulum swing. It doesn't matter what it is, even, even with boundaries. It's like when you were over here and your boundaries were really unhealthy and codependent, <coughs> what's going to happen when you get free there, you're going to swing over here and you're going to be like, no, 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 you know? And then, then what happens? You swing back and connect to some codependent relationships again, and then you swing back. But what happens is that's, that's part of the maturing process. Mm, so, oh, cool. <coughs> wow, thanks, Ray. Look so, but you can have it with emotions. You can have it with behaviors. You can have it with attitudes, relationships. It's it's all the same. God had to give me a dream because I was like super codependent, and then I became then I learned boundaries, which was painful, and then I ended up over here in like super strong boundaries, like awkward. Yes. Strong. And God had to give yes. me a dream, and He was like mosey that over a little bit because i yeah i was a little bit like oh to everyone that's one of the things if i can i really felt this right now one of the things i got is what people do in those situations because you you help a lot of these women that are going through that and what happens sometimes when we get free of the codependence or the unhealthy relationship or whatever it is yeah. whether it's a relationship with a person or food or what what doesn't matter what it is the unhealthy relationship yeah. that we have we get set free of that what will happen is we will create nevers instead of boundaries. Mm. And never is not a boundary. It's a self-protection that will eventually manifest fear, shame, and guilt. So it's, you have to just like... so. But that is one of the swings. But if we hold on to that never, it will just eventually cause problems. You have to just let yourself... So I'm not saying go do the behavior. I'm just saying... You're free. Be free. Don't bond, you know, don't, you know, yoke yourself to another sense of bondage of being like, I can never, because then you'll start building rules about that to get further and further away from it, which will get you to just focus on it and guarantee you're heading back there. Yeah. Wow. It's so true. Whatever you behold, you become. I know God just was telling mm. me that today. It's so good. You know, the other thing, I mean, I know we probably need to wrap up. I don't know. <laughs> We've been talking for a while. We could probably talk for like five more hours, but um, I want to honor your time. You shut me down when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but something God just recently showed me, which I thought was so powerful because I was struggling with feeling selfish. You know what I mean? Like in learning to love myself in a healthy way, I was struggling with thinking that was selfish. And, you know, I've worked through it now, but oh, yeah. the Lord is like, the Lord is like, Lindsay, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And I know that's a little bit yeah. out of context, but God was basically showing me, you've been a house divided against yourself. And that's why you're unstable. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why mm -hmm. you're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Whether yeah. it's emotions or just beliefs or, try, you know, just trying to overcome my own negative, you know, it's like you're yeah. house divided against itself and you cannot stand. You have to be on your own side. You have to be for yourself. You have to love yourself. This is like, like, even today, God was like, it breaks my heart when people don't love who they are. It breaks my heart. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, God, you know, now look, I'm not saying that he doesn't prune things. It's very biblical, um, you know, but like just this kind of like self-hatred trying to fix ourselves all the time thing, it can get a little addictive too. I mean, do you see that? Where, yeah, like, it can. Yeah. Oh, I see that. And that's why some of the people have swung on the other sense and like inner healing is not needed and bad. That's where, that's where those unhealthy nevers come from, mm -hmm. right? Because what happens is you can get addicted to that. But the way I describe it, there was two things I was thinking about while you were while you were wanting to answer that. But let me see. The, the, one of the ways I describe it is what I share with people. I'm not looking for lies unless, I mean, if somebody comes in and they have a problem, we know they have a problem and we're looking for lies. You know, but it's almost like the way that I, I say it. It's like, hey, just drive down the road and experience freedom, peace, and joy. Mm -hmm. You know, you're on a journey. Focus on freedom. We're, we're pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what we're, we're pursuing that. And you might hit a, you might hit a bump in the road of fear, shame, or guilt. You know what I mean? But if you hit a bump in the road while you're driving, it's no big deal. It's just like, oh, I got through it. I'm moving and I'm still, I'm pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy. 
But if while you're driving down the road pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy, all of a sudden you get a thump, 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 thump of fear, shame, or guilt, you need to pull over and check and see what it is, right? And then deal with whatever that problem is so you can get back on the road and pursue freedom, peace, and joy, mm-hmm. right? So, so again, I'm not about like, you can get self-obsessed. You can, and actually the people I work with, I don't really find people there, but but I know that's that's more of a theory in my world than it is actually happening. Okay. And I think it used to happen in some old patterns of inner healing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where you're constantly looking for it. You're constantly looking for it, always trying to actually, you know, get, get more free. And I'm just like, hey, I'm trying to be present where I am. You know, like you said, like sometimes you're sad. It's like, oh, wow, it's like, stay in it. Am I sad? And it's almost if you don't let yourself actually be in the emotion, you, you don't know if this is just a temporary thing or is this a lie I need to repent of or is this a loss I need to grieve, right? Because there's different aspects that cause emotional pain. And so <clears throat> it might be a minor loss that you just experienced that you just got to let yourself kind of be sad about it because we discount that because, Lindsay, you shouldn't feel bad about this because look at everything else you have. You know what I mean? It's just we do that. We do that and we so discount and that's one of my other books is called Finding a New Normal, which allows you to be real in your in your grief, you yeah. know, because it allows you to do that. But you actually experiencing those emotions is what's going to let you do that. But we're not we're not like, oh, wow, things are great. Let me look for what's wrong before there's a problem. You know what I mean? That's not that's that's not kingdom lifestyle. That's not the pursuit. That's not the pursuit of freedom, peace and joy. So that's what we're doing. But I tend, if I keep tripping over it, or I get the thump, thump, thump in my wheel while I'm driving down the road, I'm going to, you know, why do I keep tripping over this? Why does this keep happening? If there's these patterns that keep happening in my life, that's when you're like, hey, let's take a look. Let's find out without regurgitating all the details over and over again, because that's probably what you're doing in that area of your heart already. That's not helping you. You're right. That's the thing. That's not helping you. And there is a time where you need to confess and you need to express and someone needs to hear and you haven't shared it with someone else. There is a time for that. But one of the things I share is if you've shared the story of your unresolved trauma more than three times and it's not a testimony, it's time to pursue healing. Wow. That's so good, Ray. That's so just a simple rule, you know, simple guide, you know, hey. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, this is the 475th time I've shared this story and I'm still experiencing this trauma and I refuse to do anything about it. Right. You know, that's when it's like, oh, maybe I should maybe I should go get a counselor. Maybe I should go to therapy. Like I go to therapy ever since our house burned down. And I see a therapist, you know, I'm like, I, I still see a therapist and I see her once a once a month and talk through her with things because she speaks a different language than me, too. I got somebody that's outside of my circle, yeah. you know, that. That, so she doesn't speak the same religious kind of spiritual language as me. She's outside of that, and which is perfect because then she can catch me when I'm trying to spiritualize it or something like that and like really get in there. But one of the things I was talking about, the, the love, or one of the things that hit me about the love piece, and then I'll, 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 I'll let you do whatever you want to do there because I can ramble. But one of the things I realized with the love piece, the piece of love is like the selfishness. You know what I mean? When you were tying that into selfishness, Sadly, the false religious spirit teaches us that self-nurture is selfishness, right? And self-love is selfishness. It's almost like that, hey, God is good, but you're just a worm and you're just a, you know, miserable sinner. It's like those people need to repent and believe the gospel. You know, they just, they don't in that area of their heart. But what it is, is what I have found, the foundation of loving God is letting yourself be loved by him. Yeah, exactly. So it's like. Because we love because he first loved us. So if we won't let him love us, we're not loving him, right, is the thing. So it's like that process is like allowing ourselves to be loved. So we can perform for him. We can perform to earn love. We can perform to earn acceptance, but we never will. And that's why performance is not love. It's just not. It's just he wants us to be and be loved. Yep. Well, I mean, that's the name of my book, Letting Love In, because that was my big yeah like issue, you know, is I, I yeah. couldn't receive love. I was good at loving other people because I was codependent, you know, and I came from a loving family. So it wasn't like that was the issue. It was like, I mean, there's a lot of issues, you know, that's happened throughout my life that have caused that, that, you know, like self-protection. I was protecting myself from love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And God mm-hmm. is love. And I just remember being a new Christian. 
I was 32 years old, like an adult, had lived a lot of life. And I was looking at this big book called the Bible that's supposedly supposed to tell me like, you know, the things. And I had a mentor and she said, I want you to write a love letter from God to yourself. And I was like, why don't know what God would tell me? I don't know, you know, like <laughs> you know, I like Google and I'm like, well, what would God say, you know? And I found all these scriptures, again, completely out of context. I was a brand new Christian, but you know, God's thoughts about you outnumber the sand of the sea. Like you're the apple of his yeah. eye. Like these things that I'm yeah. like, whoa, like it was so like intense to me, you know? And and then mm -hmm. I found in, in, you know, the gospels where it said, it said, you know, the first commandment. So I'm a new Christian, right? So like, I'm looking, what is the number one thing I'm supposed to do as a new Christian? I didn't know. It said, first commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And God said to me, well, no, I said to myself or God, I don't even know. I was like, okay, if we really yeah. think about that, love the Lord God with all of your mind, all of your strength, yeah. all of your heart. I thought that's a lot of work. You know what I mean? I kind of just started there and God was so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And then in first John, it says like, it says we love because he first loved us. And God's like, Lindsay, you can't love anyone else until you learn to receive my love. And that's exactly. just been my like whole life journey is learning to receive God's love, letting myself love myself. And then it's easy to love others. It's like, I'm super simple, but I found that like, it sounds simple, but the process of it is, is a little bit of a process. And so that's, yeah, that's what I like to teach mm -hmm. people. Like how to A. It's the process of, yeah, breaking all that down. That is that there's so many structures in there of lies and, and, inner critics and all that stuff keeping you from that so that's beautiful that you help people break that down yeah and just like understanding that you have to like actually go in and identify the inner critic's voice separate from god's voice because if you don't do that i talk mm -hmm. to a lot of people and they're like i don't have an inner critic i'm like yeah you do you just don't know what he sounds like you think he's cute. <laughs> like he's disguised himself as you it's just because it's normal it's yes exactly so you yeah, don't it's just normal that. yes so i'm like oh my gosh so anyway well ray thank you so much for being on this is so fun first our first um mm, this was good so this season and y'all i'm gonna put ray's info in like in all of the downloads or, what am I talking about in all of the like show notes on the podcast or below on this facebook live so you can get in touch with him you can follow him you can get his stuff i've got a lot of his stuff and it's actually super super helpful and again if you want to do the crushing your inner critic masterclass, i'm giving you 50 percent off promo code it's love because in my world love is what is going to help you get free stay free and even here mm. when you're supposed to go and get different kinds of help whether it's help like raise help like a, a different kind of counselor that's outside of you know, the, the Christian realm that you might need. Like God knows what we all need. He's a genius. He's super smart. Mm -hmm. He has all the wisdom. We can talk yes. to him to get the wisdom. So anyway, head over to my website, lindsaymorgan.co slash critic to get the 50% off discount. So anyway, we love you guys so much. Ray, would you pray us out? Would you pray for our guests? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I, I just, I just ask you just meet everybody where they are, you know, in their criticism, in their place of woundedness, whatever, wherever they are, whatever they're feeling, whatever they're experiencing, I just ask right now that there be a sense of encouragement and hope. And if people are in a good place, encourage them more and inspire them more and let them, let them just be able to stay on that process of pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy. But those who've heard a piece of this, that it touched, that it, it reached their heart, that yeah, that I'm suffering with that, I'm dealing with that. I just pray that you would actually give them the direction to get whatever help they need to pursue you because they are worth it. And I just want everybody hearing this to know that you are worth it. God cares for you and he has made a way for you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You're so amazing. You're welcome. This so fun. We did our first live. So I'm going to try to shut this yes. down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, hold on just a second. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's see, well, 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 wasn't that interesting? We can't wait until next week. 
Don't forget to grab Crushing Your Inner Critic Masterclass at lindsaymorgan.co and use the promo code LOVE to get 50% off. This was recorded at New Vine Music in Santa Monica, California. We would like to thank Leonardo Antonori for producing this track. To learn more about them or to license original music for your next project, go to newvinemusic.com. Music.